Why should Republicans embrace renewable energy? We're going to ask that question along with very many others with our special guest today, Commissioner of the Public Service Commission, Scott Roop. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus. I'm your host, Renew Missouri Executive Director James Owen. With us as always is our producer, running the boards, Elizabeth Gower. Hi, Elizabeth. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going great. Well, we've broken out of the Renew Missouri studios today, and we're doing our first off-site podcast, and we are doing this with a very special guest. We have Commissioner of the Public Service Commission, Scott Roop. Commissioner. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be the first like out of the studio guest. I mean, this I'm going to put this on my like resume this, as accomplishments. This needs to be on your CV. Yes, no doubt about it. And uh, you know, I think what's what's really important is for all of you out there that have you know that don't know a lot about what we do at Renew Missouri, what we do in front of the commission. This will be interesting because we can talk a little bit about what that role is. But more importantly, I think we are going to be able to talk a little bit about how renewable energy works in the world of partisanship and politics, because Commissioner Roop has been very involved with that. It's kind of developed a bit of a national reputation on why conservatives, why Republicans should embrace this just along with everybody else. So we're really excited about that. So my first question is, um, you try to explain to your friends or family what it is you do (laughs) as a commissioner. How do you explain that to them? Because that might help our, our audience members. You know, basically the easiest way is, I decide what your utility can charge you in rates. That's basically, there's a lot more to that, but that's what most people understand. Right. And when you're not just talking about utilities, I mean, we do a lot of focus at Renew Missouri on electricity, but there's a lot more to it than that when you're a commissioner. Yeah, we you know there's there's natural gas. There yeah. is water. Uh, we even regulate in Missouri uh, manufactured housing. You know, there's yeah. a small piece of telecom still that we deal with. And, and so <laughs> it's a lot more than that, but you try to explain that to someone in the grocery store, you know, their eyes roll in the back of their head and they hear Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> and so you just keep it short to I uh, basically tell the utilities how much they can charge you, which makes me not a very popular person. Well, <laughs> but it doesn't make it any more or less popular than like say the utilities themselves true that is that's very <laughs> true but then when, when when they're right in front of you because they can't get the oh. big bag utility in, in a room but when you're right there picking out you know captain crunch in the cereal yeah. aisle and somebody's like hey they don't normally see amarin doing that that's right yeah so i mean yeah because i mean it's amazing it's always been amazing to me i've not been doing this very long and i think to myself the people who always talk about the utility bill it's always too high they don't like dealing with the utility company, but then when it comes to how that actually works, it just doesn't seem to be, I don't know if they just assume it's out of their control. I mean, why do you think people just assume they just have well, to get mad about it? they depend upon it. I mean, yeah. no one thinks about it until it's not there. So you flip on the switch right. in your house, how many times a day you don't think, you just assume it's going to be there. So the only time you think about your utility or, or whatever it is, is when you pay the bill. Or when you have a power outage. And right. they've done studies that the average American, I think, spends in a year something like 45 minutes thinking about the utility, which when you break it down on a monthly basis is like a minute and a half when they are paying their bill and maybe if they had a little outage. No one thinks about it, but they depend on it all the time. Have they really studied that? They have done it. It's a study that I read somewhere that I cannot quote at this point. I'm probably off on the minutes, but the general gist of what I'm saying (laughs) is right there. Not sure how much I even spend thinking about it. Mine's on auto pay. 
yeah, yeah. exactly. And one well, of the things, interesting, I'm going to do a side thing, is I actually was really interested is how much is energy efficiency impacted by people that are on auto pay or are on oh. the budget billing? You know, like Amron, they have a budget billing where, you know, and it smooths out my bill all year long. So am I not getting the price signal that says I need to conserve because I'm not seeing my yeah. bill and it's levelized? So we actually did a little statistical stuff and, and, and you know, about my first year here, that was, you know. I'm oh. on budget billing too because I could not afford fun- $400 mm-hmm. when – it came December. Yes. On top of Christmas yeah. presents, so that's and, right. And that's a that's a thing that we you know even when I was a consumer advocate, we talked about what information you give to customers, what information the public wanted. And I, you know, I didn't really thought about that very much. But I mean, one of the reasons why I don't do it on auto pay is I'd like to see what mm-hmm. I'm, I'm spending. But then I guess a lot of people want to make it easy, so they don't. They want it easy, but I mean, I think it blocks a price signal that would say, "Holy yeah. cow, you're going! I'm going to conserve during Christmas time because I have Christmas presents. I'm going to turn the thermostat <laughs> down a little bit because right. you know." I want to save money, but if you're not getting that price signal, you're out just cranking up the heat, spending willy-nilly. That's right. I'm not the average Joe. I bought a Nest, got some upgraded attic insulation, had an energy audit, so I didn't have to worry about those types of things anymore. Christmas presents to yourself? (laughs) From others. Oh, there you go. Wow. That was how you capitalized. They know you. That's good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, I mean, but that's like, but you know, when you talk about regulating utilities, energy efficiency is a big part of what you do here. True. Um, You know, there's legislation out there that like, you know, talks about how utility companies can invest in that sort of thing. That's right. And, you know, and another thing that's always important to remind people with the Public Service Commission, you're dealing with privately owned investor owned utility companies. Yes. You're not dealing with the city of Independence, the city of Columbia, city utilities in Springfield. And, you know, one thing that our group spends a lot of time on, you're not dealing with the cooperatives. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's also very specific, but you're also talking about that's a lot of people that are covered by investor-owned utilities in the state. Millions. Millions. Yeah. And, And yeah, billions of dollars of projects and and, and just everything flowing through. It's, It's a really incredible amount of work. It, it can be at times, yes, and it can be overwhelming when you try to balance sh- the shareholder interests of, of a private Fortune 500 company with <laughs> with also, you know, they need to attract capital to build all these things right. with the, the rate payers and keeping rates affordable and keeping them, you know, safe and, and reliable. You know, so it's a balancing act that we have to do, uh, and, and it can get kind of complicated. And, you know, I, I found when I was working on the state side of this, when I was public counsel, one of the most challenging things to deal with, because you also deal with privately owned water companies that might be servicing 100 people. Right. And people don't even think about that there might be a regulator out there, but that can be some of the stickiest kind of cases that you and get. Those are, those are some of the worst, because if you have a, you know, a plant that went in 30 years ago that <laughs> yeah. is is falling apart, the water's not, you know, very safe to drink or it's getting close to where it's not safe right. and they need a $2 million upgrade and there's 45 customers, do the math, that's a massive increase. They can't afford that. So how do you deal with a lot of these small rural, uh, um, you know, water companies that just have no customer base to meet the current environmental regulations they have to meet? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when you think about it, you're dealing with Ameren and KCP&L and Spire, and these are big, as you said, Fortune 500 companies, but you're also still dealing with somebody who's, you know, running this, you know, I have a little office in Nixa yes. and they've got a little neighborhood just south of Branson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we had a, a thing just today in Agenda about 
you know, one customer. It was, you know, extending a line to one farmhouse <laughs> in, in Missouri. I mean, yeah. those, some of those things, they all, sometimes they, all those things come before us, the big and the small. Yeah. And, you know, you have, and with the commission, you have five commissioners here. Yes. And they're all appointed by the governor. They're all confirmed by the state senate. And so you've got five people here. And right now, I mean, you know, while you all act in a nonpartisan sort of way, you all kind of, you know, kind of, there is kind of a partisan composite to the commission. Is that safe to say? There, there is. I mean, like historically, the governor's party has gotten, you know, to the majority of the, of the people. Right. Uh, you know, so three seats for the, for the governors and then two for the, uh, um, for the, for the opposite party. And right. just, you know, how that just is how they turn over. But it is, it is very nonpartisan in, in the work that we do and you know you wouldn't be able to tell you know if, if you didn't know where somebody came sure. from you would you wouldn't be able to tell but there is you know a lot of partisan rhetoric thrown around in this industry you know when you get into uh, fossil fuels and when you get into yes. renewable energy and right. stuff so a lot of the partisanship is very very large macro national types of things it doesn't really come from the commissioner or the staffs themselves yeah yeah i mean obviously there's a lot at stake here there's a lot of money uh there's direction of how policy goes in the state there's a lot of things that get people you know people are very passionate and very you know they're very adamant about some of these things and so obviously it can be it always ends up being a lot more. Um, I mean, obviously everyone gets along here, but it, 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 there's a lot of emotion to this. Yes, there, yeah, there, there definitely can be. <laughs> yes, there can be, and I think like for people in Missouri uh, that are listening to this, uh, you know, there might be surprised that in some states you actually elect commissioners. Yes, yeah, there's a oh maybe maybe a fourth of them, maybe a little yeah. bit less. I mean. But yeah, if you, if you can imagine, it's hard enough. You know, <laughs> I ran for Secretary of State in 2012. Right. It was hard enough getting people to pay attention to that when you know, you have U.S. Senator and and everybody and all the way down to Governor and everything to how are you going to get people to pay attention to your Public Utility Commissioner, Public yeah. Service Commissioner, and wow. I don't know how they do it. I've, I've met elected commissioners. From, I, I met a gentleman when I was in San Francisco uh, at a conference, and he was a elected commissioner out of Arizona. And they sounded like they just had... A heck of a time yeah. down there. They had all these partisans attacks, lawsuits going on. It just seemed very acrimonious. Yeah, I could see how the large national politics of, of energy would start to play in these races, and it would be very difficult. And it's very nice to be appointed and confirmed by the Senate because <laughs> you can leave partisanship and everything at the door, and uh, and that is very helpful. Because you serve for six-year terms. Yes. Right? And are there term limits on that, or is it just whenever at the pleasure of the governor? I mean, it's it's. I don't believe there's term limits. I think there's been people that have been reappointed in the past. It's rare. It doesn't happen very often. It's not. It doesn't happen very often. And and if it has happened in relative, you know, recency, those people haven't finished out that second term. They maybe stayed on for a year or two, yeah. maybe to finish a project or to do the next big rate case or something. Um, but it's rare that you, that you sure. get reappointed, but it can happen. Yeah. And you mentioned running for Secretary of State. One of the things I wanted to get into is a little bit of your, your public biography. You have been an elected official before you were on the commission. Yes. I was a state representative for four years, state senator for eight, and uh, then, then came on the commission. So when you ran for state representative, I mean, what was it that originally, what was the, what was the big drawing thing for you to run for office, to be involved with the public 
the public, um, you know, kind of the public arena. What was it that like I, drew you to it? I, I had the bug since I was a boy. Really? Since, since I was young, I had a, my best <laughs> friend growing up. His dad was a judge, and I just remember putting the signs together and oh, handing out okay. stuff in the parades and just in you know working the poll. I just I loved it, and I was a political science major in college yeah. and very vol- uh, 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 volunteered on a bunch of campaigns, and so I had it early on as a bug and it was a when i was 25 i set five goals for my life by the time i was 30 and one of them was to uh, to hold public office wow. and so i won my first race for state representative when i was 27 yeah because i was going to say if you're talking about were you elected in 2002 or yeah 2002 yes yeah okay so i mean that was you know kind of a pivotal year for missouri legislature because that was the first year that term limits went into effect and Correct. so you had a lot of people leaving the legislature you had a lot of new people coming in I mean, what was that like? I mean, what was that experience like? Was it was? Did you like being a state rep? What was the best part of that? Oh, I hated being a state rep. Really? I actually hated. <laughs> um, it. You you literally have no power. You have no influence. That's, there's there's yeah. 165 state reps in Missouri. You have a lot of them. There was a lot. We're like the fourth largest in the country on state yeah. reps. Um, so it, it, it's so diluted and really. Two to three people run it, and they run it with an iron ha- uh, yeah. hammer. There's so much power in, in two positions, and so you just—it's really easy to get discouraged. Of like, I don't really, you know, I could bring a great idea and be like, "Hey, we should do this," <laughs> yeah. and they'd be like, "Hey, give it to Billy Bob because he has a tough reelect." And so, oh, okay, I'll be a team player. You let him have yeah. it. Then you go in and say, "I don't like what we're doing here," and they're like, "Who cares? We'll get votes somewhere else." So you've really <laughs> felt marginalized. So, right. But when I went to the state senate, that was a completely different game. Yeah. You have so much influence and ability to, to set public policy and stop bad things and promote good things. Uh, the, the state senate was a phenomenal opportunity yeah. and, and job. So. And there's only 34 right. state senators, so you have a little more autonomy there, right. it seems like. Um, now, that was in 2006 that you were elected, so right. you start in 2007. Um, and you are, were you born and raised outside of St. Louis in St. Charles County, or did you? No, I, I was born in, uh, in Middle Illinois, up okay. in uh, Peoria. My dad, right. was, my dad was Ozark Airlines, which then became TWA, so oh, we moved down yeah. to St. Louis when they moved their headquarters and, yeah. and stuff. So he was uh, 40-some years in the airline business, and that's what, that's what brought us to Missouri in fifth grade. Wow. Okay, so you've been here, you've been here for a while, and so you've got to see... You know, Missouri politics changed a little bit. Oh, yes. Because where you're from has grown, like, exponentially. You're from the Winsfell area. Yeah, St. Charles County, one of the largest, fastest-growing counties in the country at at certain times. Um, You know, when we first moved there, it was a... A, a, a Democrat area, there right. was maybe one Republican. Now it is a predominantly dominated Republican yeah. area. So I mean, it's just in the the whole demographics have changed. So I've 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 seen that, but it's a phenomenal place. Uh, you know, yeah. you got uh, a big GM plant there. Just so I do. Know. Yeah, yeah, that was in the old district. And oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. GM plant. They build the cargo van and, and a nice truck there. So yeah, and it's always good to have a segue because I don't know how many people that listen to this like are from Missouri, but. You know, politics have changed here a lot in the past 30 or 40 years. We used to be kind of a bellwether state when it came to presidential politics. Um, You know, as of, gosh, like 35 years ago, the Democrats had a supermajority in the legislature. Now the Republicans have a supermajority in the legislature. Uh, So you have seen a shift. Uh, You've seen this go from, I think, uh, Slate Magazine called it a swung Yes. State. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it we, used to be a swing state. Now yeah. it's kind of a swung it, state. It is. Yes. Um, but, you know, even then, you know, at statewide levels, especially, you still see some Democrats have success here because you have population centers like St. Louis, like Kansas City, and they still have a lot of voters. But ultimately, you have seen a changing demographic because of economic issues, social issues around the rest of the state. And so you've seen a lot of people who might have been 
kind of maybe on the fence or maybe that had right. been like more conservative Democrats moved to the Republican Party. True. And that was kind of in your in your part of the world. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened. And when I came in, like you said, we, that was when the Republicans took over the, the right. state legislature. And then, you know, and then two years later, we got to the governor's office, had all three branches. Right. Um, you know, so um, I, it, that's what I, you know, served in, is in yeah. that mindset with the super majorities, which bring their own set of problems, which is a whole <laughs> yeah, other podcast yeah. uh, for a different, <laughs> different topic. But hey, that can bring her a whole other one. Part but, two. Uh, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So then, but you mentioned, and I, I want to talk about this a little bit, you, you ran for statewide office in 2012. Yes. And you ran for Secretary of State. Yes. That seems, I've, I've worked on a statewide race, I can't imagine being the candidate. I mean, that's got to be just an insurmountable effort. I mean, the, it was. You, so many things out of your control with that. It was, but it was so much fun. Yeah. I mean, we, I had, uh, and of course, it was another goal I set for my life. I wanted yeah. to run for statewide office. And hence, I said run. I did not put win statewide oh. office. I'm like, <laughs> so I should probably have kicked myself <laughs> when I set that goal. But, but I, so I accomplished that one. But uh, it was, it was a great experience. It was so much fun. Met so many neat yeah. people, uh, you know, just you know, helped other people launch their careers in, yeah. in politics and things of that nature. It was fun. Well, I know. I know. And fun. thank God I lost. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy I lost. That's the best thing to happen to you. It is. I, it, yes. I say that as someone who's lost three times. <laughs> third time's the charm? No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, because I ran three times, so I lost the third time. So I think I'm out. Um, three strikes, you're out? Three strikes, you're out. That's there exactly right. That's right. So, because I, I don't mean to like rub it in, but I, I looked in 2012, you were very close it in the primary. It was seven tenths of one percent. Yeah. yeah. I, for, I knew it was close, but... How many votes is that? No, it was like 2,000 votes statewide. Statewide. Well, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of votes that get counted. And that's impressive. I mean... I was was pleased with it. Yeah. You know, we had a lot of uphill... Uh, that was back when there was no, you know, donation limits. Right. You had some billionaires writing massive checks to your opponents, and you're just going, "Man, this is yeah. some headwind." But hey, we, I, I, I thought we uh, delivered a, a strong message, and yeah. and uh, the voters were did me a favor. They what? said no. There's always next time, right? No, there's not for me, <laughs> but maybe yeah. for Mr. Owen. Oh, that, that, yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I've, I'm sure I've really engendered myself to a lot of people. So public <laughs> office is not your retirement plan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. So I mean, it is always amazing to me when you can take you know an opportunity like that because I see whether you win or lose, you keep with it. There's all these other doors that open up right. for that sort of thing, and so then you see an opportunity to get appointed to the Public Service Commission in 2014. And you're on there, and you've been on here since then. I think it was 2014. Yeah, right? it was it was March of 2014, correct? Okay, okay. So, I did I did a little work. You did, you did. Um, and so, what was the appeal to this job? Well, the funny thing you say you say I saw the opportunity. The opportunity just kind of smacked me upside the oh. head. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I literally the governor's office just called and uh-huh. said, "We have an open position, and we want you to consider it." And yeah. I had not looked at it because I never had an energy background. I didn't right. sit on the energy. And so I went in and talked to the governor, and, and he just said, you do your own research. You make up your own mind. You're mm-hmm. not beholden. Because this was back when we had the big fight in the legislature with Naranda and the aluminum plant in the southern part of the state and Amron and all this stuff. I wasn't stuff. sure if I should bring any of that Oh, up. my God, yes. <laughs> He's like, you're not beholden to one of those groups. Yeah. Fun times at yes. Renew Missouri, it right? Was. Yeah. 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 Yes, for so, everybody. So he just he, he just said he's like you do your own research you always do what you think is right that's what I want he's like I'm never gonna call you yeah. I'm never gonna ask you of anything I just want you to learn and I want you to do what you think is right and that was he said and so I I want you to do it just think about it and, and so you did and so I did 
Yeah. And, and so you say you didn't have, like, you weren't, okay, so when you're on the Senate, you were not on the Senate. I think it's the Economic and Utility Committee. Yes. You, were, you did not no, serve on that? Did not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because when you get, like, kind of inundated in this world, it is so, there's not very many people that do this. There's yeah, not a true. lot of people who are, like, real experts at it. You find there's only about a handful of people around the state who know this stuff. Very true. So you sometimes just have to jump in. It's drinking from the fire hose. I mean, <laughs> so the, the first week they hand me a, a three-page document in, of acronyms. And it's, these are the most widely used acronyms in our business. I'm yes. like, oh, okay, great. So I go to my first meeting, and the first four acronyms I hear aren't even on the list. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, man, this is going to be a long the, the phrase I use on this podcast, and I think I first heard this from Lewis Mills, uh, one of my predecessors at public council, was, you know, you got a lot of TLAs. A lot of those three-letter acronyms, mm-hmm. and yes, I, uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I use that joke a lot on here. So if you've all heard that, you're bored with it. But it's further confirmation that that's all you get hit with in this in this world. I moderated a panel at our regional meetings and stuff, and and I wanted to buy an air horn so that every time somebody <laughs> that was talking used an acronym, I could blow it. But my my staff, you know, talked to me or conv- begged me not to do that. I well, I gotta tell you, I kind of like that idea. Yeah. Maybe I should do that. <laughs> yeah, you beat me to the punch. I was about to say you need a dictionary for all those acronyms. You do you, you do? do. And I've been doing this for a while, and I still probably need a dictionary yeah. occasionally. I'm hopeless. Obviously. I just nod my head and go, "Oh yeah, yeah." yeah. I'll look. Oh, I've had people like be like, "No." Yeah. I had to go look it up after I'm done with the meeting. Uh, yeah, so, okay, so you get into this world. Uh, you you are kind of new to this. And then, you know, you, you have kind of become, I think it's objective to say, you've kind of developed an interest in renewable energy mm-hmm. in this position. Yes. And I kind of wonder, how did that, I mean, because you didn't have any background with this, you didn't really look at this as being like, part of your goals that you had set for yourself on this list. I mean, what was it that first drew you to that idea that this is something that's interesting and worthwhile to really to kind of make a focus? I mean, call it I mean, really, it just, it just, I could not get out of my head and no one could answer the question of, well, why not? Yeah. Why not? Why not explore it? Why not use this if it's cost effective or it's even close, you know, Take the whole global warming and, and, and issue. Take yeah. it. Take that off the table. Right. And then if that, that wasn't, then but still, why wouldn't you? I mean, right. if you have a renewable source that it, the, the fuel is free, whether it's the sun or it's the wind or it's you know water running down you know a river, whatever it is. Yeah. Why not utilize it? Why still dig and burn and. So no one could really answer that. And so, mm-hmm. and really, with all the technology and how the costs were coming down, it was one of those. It's like, you know, we really need to start talking about this. Yeah. And so you have. I've been trying. And what's really incredible to me is even over the past couple of years is you will talk to a lot more Republicans in the legislature, in the House, and the Senate. And I mean, you know, I've only been with Renew Missouri for a little over a year, but we have... We have seen uh, people on that side of the aisle become more engaged and involved with this. Yes. And, I mean, I guess, you know, one of the things I'm always curious about is trying to figure out where all that comes from. I mean, obviously, you're someone who is kind of, you know, vocal mm-hmm. and adamant about this. I mean, like, do you, do you, what, do you, what do you think is, I mean, I, mean, I guess when I should start with this question. Why do you think that Republicans, I mean, you've... you've I guess, would you still consider yourself a Republican? Are you postpartisan? No, I'm still a diehard Republican. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Why do you what do you feel like happened? Why is the Republican Party, you know, why have they been adverse to this issue? Honest, you, I mean, quite honestly, when you would go and talk to my colleagues when I was ser- serving and you brought up renewable energy, they immediately thought tree hug and dirt yeah. munch and druid hippies. I mean, <laughs> that was what they that's what they thought of. Yeah. And you know, it was one of those it was like all this stuff, and it was like, okay, those those you know, those aren't our people. Right. Those aren't our people, but when I've traveled around in this job, the people I see at these conferences that are talking about renewable energy are young, intelligent, articulate entrepreneurs. Yeah. And yes. they are going, we can change our future, we can invest in this. And so I was like, these are the, you know, if you look at the Republican, you know, philosophy, and th- th- those are our people. Those yeah. are who we want is, you know, business owners who want to take a risk and want to try something new when they're young and they're willing to, you know, have have energy. And, 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 and I was like, those are our people. Why are we not reaching them? It's not the, you know, the, the hippie movement and stuff right. that, that, that people were thinking of. And so that was the general just mind barrier that a lot of people had to get past was, you know, these aren't our people. Yeah. I was like, yes, they are. Yeah. I look at like someone like Elon Musk, who seems like he's got some libertarian conservative ideas, and he doesn't strike me as the typical environmentalist. And I kind of wonder sometimes: is it the messenger? Is it that the fact that like somebody like Vice President Gore made this an issue for him that Republicans looked at that and said, "Well, he's just he's a partisan. He's trying to make money off of this." I mean, do you, do you attribute any of that to like who was delivering that message? I mean, yeah, at times. I mean, yeah, if you get you know Al Gore who's up running, you know, for president, he's he's you're <laughs> yeah. delivering your message, right? Yes. He has a mindset and stuff like that. You're gonna you're gonna get pushback, and we live uh, live in a hyper political uh, you know world uh, yeah. at this point. And so sometimes you know it is the messenger, and that's why the more conservatives, the more Republicans, the more libertarians can get out there and they can talk about the benefits of this and talk about it in a way that they don't alienate people. That's, right. I, I rarely use the word green. Me too. Yeah. Because green just has a. Uh, connotation that brings up a mental picture and when you're trying to sell an idea you're trying to create a mental picture in people's brains and that's what you want to do and so you don't want to use those words and immediately give them something that's already been predisposed is you know green peace or you know the green energy movement or Or the green party a green party and things of that nature so you know don't you know it's like um you know, we talked about okay, should we should we build an, an infrastructure bank in Missouri? Well, you know, in Vermont they're green banks, you know, and, and uh, things that. So, but it, here, yeah, infrastructure. See. I'm going to support infrastructure. You'll support infrastructure. <laughs> but yeah. if I call it, let's create a green bank, then a lot of people are going to sit back in the chair and go, oh, "What you doing? What you talking about there?" Well, I mean, because you do lose over half your audience right. when you use because I mean, you know, obviously with politics with. Telling your story, sharing your narrative, I mean, you know, how you deliver it is very, very important. I mean, you probably know that better than anybody. And, I mean, so, I mean, but when do you think, you know, because you've you've been doing this for four years. Uh, You you know, you obviously said you were involved with some of these fights that we had with energy policy over in the legislature, which are pretty epic at this point. Um, But, like, when do you think in Missouri, because Missouri's not progressive, they're not they're not out there, you know, we're the show me state, so right. we kind of want to see what other people are doing. I mean, do you think that we're, I mean, you know, as far as like when you see how politicians look at this, I mean, do you feel like this is still relatively new? Do you feel people like are kind of coming around to it? I mean, where do you see that as far as just lawmakers in general, maybe? They're coming around to it, mm-hmm. and they just need to be pushed harder. Yeah. I mean, really, that's what it is. We haven't even mentioned 
economics or jobs. I know. I mean, boom, there's well, the whole rest of the Republican platform yeah, right there. Yeah. Look at the jobs. Look at the economics and everything. But that is exactly, if you go and you talk to the legislature, yeah. um, you know, this is it's economics is jobs and it's this this types of, of stuff. But they just, they need somebody pushing the message. There's nobody pushing the message yeah. besides you guys. And right. you know you're limited. You're 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 a great organization, but you're you know you don't have the resources to go in and compete with with uh, you know the lobby cores and stuff of <laughs> yeah. you know of, of Amer- But you need someone to push, especially your investor-owned utilities, to yeah. push them to move faster. Yeah, because I I mean I found that what I what when I go I'm from a rural part of the state and. I go and talk to folks back there because I'm a farm kid. And I'm not like, I don't consider myself a radical guy, but I think there's a sense that the salvation of the economy here in Missouri is going to be based on bringing jobs that have left and are coming back. And my feeling is that if you really want to revitalize the economy, you need to do it through jobs like this. Mm-hmm, exactly. we, we can produce a lot of energy in this state, especially in rural parts of the state, with wind, solar. Um, you know, I think there's some other options. I mean, I'm not adverse to the idea of biofuels right. and that sort of thing. Right. You know, it's not perfectly renewable. It's still better than some of the other options we have. I mean, do you feel like that's a that's a mindset that we're we're thinking about what we you know we're thinking about how our economy used to look and trying to get that back versus what it could be? That's probably a loaded question. That's kind of like probably a, a well a yeah. leading question. You know, you know, you know, manufacturing is not coming back in the ways that we remember it from when we were kids. You right. know, with with we used to be the second or the third largest auto manufacturing yeah. state in, in the country. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's not coming back. But you look at the amount of jobs that, that are being created in 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 wind and wind farms yes. and in solar, I mean it's massive and it's right. dwarfing the amount of jobs in coal and oil and and, and natural gas and so you really can see how an economy can take off and then the ripple effect of what this does and then you know lower energy prices you can say it can, can attract even more jobs it can it can really just tie into a whole bunch of things PSA check out the clean jobs midwest report if you want to see more job facts. Yeah, because we just, that report was released last week showing Missouri had the fastest growing amount of clean energy jobs in the Midwest. And um, it's good. Wow. It, but it's, but, you know. Shit, I hadn't even read that one yet. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. We'll have to send it to you. Holy cow. If you get on our email list, we'll be sending one out about that tomorrow. Oh, very good. Hopefully I will keep, I am, I am going to set my alarm and wake up and check my email. Okay, there you go. Well, <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, there is that opportunity. You talk about jobs, and you're not just talking about jobs for, um, I mean, from my perspective, about wind technicians, solar farm technicians, but there's a lot of industry that is looking for sustainable energy, and they'll move to a state if they think they have access right. to that. Um, you know, I think I think about Facebook and Google and um, uh, Apple, right. who are all in Iowa. And Iowa's not on the West Coast. Right. <laughs> it's right. not in New England. We're not talking about some faraway liberal state. We're talking about a state that looks very similar to us politically, uh, but they've embraced this. They have. They have. And in, in, in their large companies, they're, they're, they're seeking it out. They, yeah. And even smaller companies. I mean, you know, I used to, to do some work with, with a bank, and even the clients in Missouri were like, hey, we, we have a goal. We want to hit this amount. Where, you know, what can we, how can we invest in this stuff? Yeah. We want to invest in green. And then the other piece is a lot of people don't realize is, all the technological advances that come along 
with renewable energy and mm -hmm. an upgraded transmission grid. Right. All the, you know, taking the grid and making it a platform and all the third-party applications and the data and the communications, that's where you can see tremendous job growth and, and entrepreneurialism, which is, you know, what we believe in is empowering the individual uh, and solving problems. And, yeah. and, and it, things are exploding all over the, the grid and the transmission, and a lot of that is because of, of uh, renewable energy. And we're not even talking about these jobs are not minimum wage jobs. They are good paying jobs. They are good paying family supporting jobs. I gave a talk a year and a half ago <laughs> yeah. somewhere, and I was like, you have to remember this. It's good paying family supporting jobs. You have to have that family yeah. supporting jobs in there, and you say it over and over and over, and that's and that's what you're looking for. Our you're new tagline. And you can fit that on a bumper sticker. You can. And it is, but it, and it's true. And that's the thing, like, I, I think a lot of people say, like, oh, this is just some fantasy you're peddling. This is happening in other states. Yes. This is something you can point to and say, this is something that is a reality there. And you hit on that when you said, you know, we're the show me state. <laughs> yeah. And I say, you're right, you're the show me state. But trust me, look around the country. There's plenty of other states that have already shown us right. that this works. So we got to quit saying show us and start paying attention to what others have done and start moving the ball forward. Yeah. Show me the jobs. Hey. There you go. She's good with us. There you go. I can see an initiative petition, but show me the job. Oh, yeah. Maybe not a bad idea. Yeah, well, so, <laughs> so, and then also, you know, because, I mean, I'm kind of going with you. You've written, you've written about this very topic, about yeah. why Republicans should support this. Yes. And I'll tell you, this article, this is no joke. I've spoken to a number of Republican groups because I'm always trying to get them to invite me um, to speak to them. And I've, I've been getting pretty good at that. And it's uh, why Republicans, why should Republicans support renewable energy? Uh, it's from FRI, which I believe is based there at University of Missouri. It is, yes. It's um, Financial Research Institute. Yeah. It was reposted in a few other places. I think the original yeah. article was um, in a different publication. Yeah. We'll, we'll send it out with the podcast. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 I've placed it a few places. I've talked about that one. That one has been a very popular. Uh, I write, have been writing weekly uh, blogs and podcasts and things of that nature, and, and that one and, and uh, the Game of Thrones one of my two oh, most the popular. Oh, that was a good one. Two most popular red ones, and, well, and then of course you get the Clark Griswold Christmas one that gets popular every year. Uh, well, you know when I was on uh, the Missouri Times TV show, they they referenced the Down with OPC when they were <laughs> mentioning uh, I used to work there. So that was also got that, that was the first one out of the gate, <laughs> yeah. and that was designed to get a little attention, and it did. It was it, quite, it quite worked. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so yeah, and so when you you look at this i mean to me it sounds like these are things these are economic based these give customers choices with what they're doing these all sound like conservative concepts to me you know as you walked in i have my tagline is my motto for for why how i view my decisions here and it's basically you got to give consumers what they want mm -hmm. and that's convenience control and choice yeah and you need to focus on value not least cost so yeah, if I can sit there and and okay, maybe I got a, a fossil fuel that's a penny cheaper mm -hmm. and stuff, but is that the value uh, that that the society is wanting right now? And when you factor all that in, you know, a lot of times renewable energy is the least, uh, uh, it has the best value. And nowadays, renewable energy is pretty much the least cost uh, form of, of energy. Wind is super cheap, and I know yes. that you've got you know you develop a role with the Southwest Power Pool, uh, which is based out of Little Rock. And I mean, I think for those of us who don't know, we have these kind of regional marketplaces around the country that utility companies, if they're making more power than they can use, they try to get it so bought and sold on this right. marketplace. So basically, yeah. 
electricity doesn't stop at your state border. It just right. continues <laughs> to go. Yes. So if I'm you know making too much and in Arkansas is yeah. making too much and it's like holy cow. So you got to have this regional approach to yeah. where's the power, where is it needed, and that's that's it's a 16 state organization. And and that has Oklahoma, that has Kansas, and those are states that have a massive amount of wind. Right. And you know you're looking at like the fact that like say the city of Springfield who has a municipal utility. It's not a entity that you all regulate here at the Public Service Commission, but they're buying a lot of their energy from Oklahoma and Kansas, and they've almost got 40% yeah. of their power from renewable sources, and they're getting it cheap. It is, and I think it was about two, two and a half months ago, the SPP uh, region, 16, 60, almost 66% of their energy at one in one day came from wind. It's pretty amazing. It is amazing. And I mean, you know, and I know that when you look at Missouri and you look at, you know, we do pretty well on the western side of the state, especially in the northwest part of the state. You know, we've got an investor-owned utility here that's, uh, you know, making a request to build a wind farm in northeast Missouri. Um, you know, but, you know, I think that it's opinion of Renew Missouri, so I'll just say it's the opinion of Renew Missouri, that the large investor-owned utilities in Missouri have been a little slow to some of this. And I mean... Now, I don't know if that's an objective opinion that you hold or anybody on the commission holds, because I know you've got to balance the public interest here. In your no, I, I, I would say, I think, shout out to KCPNL. Yeah. They have, have, have been far ahead of yeah. all the other utilities. So yeah. shout out to them. They've done a good job on on some different, more innovative approaches as to stuff. But on the other, uh, Ameren and Empire, yeah, they've, they've not been keeping pace why do you think that is from your from your from your position here why do you think that they've been slow to that why should they have to i mean yeah. if, <laughs> if no one is pushing right them, if you know and if there's and if there's not the, the incentives there for them to do it and you know and and, and they're both very well-run companies yes. they're both excellent companies that provide great uh, uh, customer service and provide a great product, you know, safe, reliable. Mm -hmm. But if there's not somebody sitting there saying, "Hey, we want you to hit these targets," right? You know, and they're going to the regulators are going, "We're going to do it at the least cost possible way," right? You know, and 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 so you know, they're saying, "Hey, we're 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 giving the people what they want. We have really cheap, you know, uh, energy here." So really, nobody's been pushing. Yeah, and I mean, you know, so do you think that has to come from the public sector? I think they're. I think it comes from all sectors. I think yeah. their customer base is wanting it. As you're seeing those large companies saying, "Hey, we want more renewable energy in our yeah. portfolio. We want this," you know, and so they're pushing them to come up with programs to how do we get access to this. So I think you're getting it from the bottom up. Their customers right. are wanting it, not just the consume, uh, the commercial big guys, but the individual customers are wanting it. And, hey, I want to buy renewable energy credits, and then I think now we're getting the regulators to start to to push it, or at least to you know guide them that way. Right. And, and say, hey, we're we're open to you guys walking down this this path, and uh, the national climate is there. So I think they're getting it from multiple uh, angles. Yeah, because you hear, it, I mean, you hear that it's an investor calls. We hear people from Goldman Sachs asking those questions: Why are you not putting more money into wind? Why are you not putting more money into solar? Not exactly liberal hippies at right, Goldman right, Sachs, right? Uh, or when you look at somebody like Walmart or GM, they all have these sustainability goals, and they're not liberals no i mean you know look they've got they've got a legal obligation to their investors just the same way that amron does and so they're not looking at this because they think it's altruistic they're looking at this because it's going to save the money it makes economic sense yes. yeah and i mean i and i think ultimately i mean do you think that right now where we are because you are seeing more projects out there uh that are before you i mean do you think that's a result of the economy do you think that's a result of just changing attitudes 
What well, do you think? Where do you think that's? Well, I mean, the the federal tax credits play a big role into that. So they do. They that. that so that's true. so you know, let's let's take that off the table. Okay. Yes, those are there. Yeah. Uh, right. And so, but again, that's that incentive to, to to walk down this path. And and the stuff they're doing in the the, the research, you know, the National Renewable Energy Lab, and and driving down the cost of these things. I mean. The stuff that is available right now, I mean, there's the solar panels they use on the satellites are are so much more efficient than the ones we can have on our house. Oh, right. It's yeah. just the only people that can afford them is NASA. <laughs> yes. You know, so so the technology is there to make it even cheaper and more, like, expansive. You just got to drive down the cost, and that's what a lot of the technological research has been doing. You know, so so that's that's that plays into it as well. And I mean, obviously, when NASA is doing this sort of work, and I know I've I've got contacts with the Department of Defense who are trying to like to do energy procurement for military bases, they're very serious about these things too. And when you see technology advance, and when you see costs go down, it is because you're seeing it being pushed. You know, like I think for a military base, it makes sense. Like, say, if you're in Afghanistan, it makes a lot of sense to have solar panels out there than trying to like figure out how to get energy there some other exactly more traditional way. And they even look at it as is. The number of troops that are being killed in supply line, you know, because they'll attack the supply line. Yeah. They attack, if you've got to get the diesel fuel and stuff. So so they have come down to, they know that renewable energy is going to save troops' lives. Yeah. Because, and, and so they're big. And, and when I was, uh, I did a four-month stint out at the National Renewable Energy Lab, you know, the stuff that they're doing. Really? They, yeah. It was an wow. executive <laughs> leadership program. It yeah. was amazing, mind-blowing. Wow. But they can uh, spray on solar cells. And the people that are most interested in that what? right now are the military. <laughs> yeah. They put it on the military's clothing because they have to carry these these packs for all their equipment. And then when they break, they got to lay out these solar panels to recharge their stuff in the field. Imagine if you're walking and, you're, and your clothes are powering on. Wow, all that's crazy. Yeah, it was like mind-blowing, the stuff. <laughs> I, had, so. I mean, I was going to like point out this thing they've got like kind of uh, – Solar panels that are impervious to explosions now, which I thought was pretty cool. Those are cool, too. talking about spray-on solar well, cells. The ones that I think are cool are, like, the solar shingles or... Yeah, that yeah. Tesla's working on. Yeah, I haven't seen a roadways. house yet, but... Uh, I imagine it's not cheap, either. I imagine it either, but... <laughs> Hey, if I, if I need to get a new roof, you know, or yeah. a roof, like, is it... What do you all say? Roof or roof? Roof. I need a roof? new roof. Yeah. Roof. Okay. I don't know. I, my kids make fun. My, I say roof too. My kids make fun of what? What are you talking about? Is that like the Illinois accent? I think it is. I think that's my, that's my. Illinois I mean, accent. but I'm from Kansas City. I say pop, so. Oh, yeah. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, don't, don't tell Commissioner Shelby that. Um, so, I mean, I know we could do this all day because I think you are, I think you are like on the forefront of this from a policy perspective, but I guess, you know, try to wrap this up. I mean, where where do you see Missouri in like five to ten years from this purge? I mean, where, I mean, do you see it still going in this direction? Do you think that the economics are going to start, you know, you know, making it more like plateau? I mean, what do you think? Uh, what do you think you see happening? I, I mean, I see it starting to accelerate. Okay. I, I think you know you had uh, you had the legislation that just passed this this year. Senate Bill five sixty four. Right, so you got the rebate coming back, and yeah. so that's going to be that's going to people are going to clamor for that thing, and I think you're going to see that thing just. Boom. We hope so. Fill up quickly, and then they're going to want more, and they're going to see the wind farms going up, uh, the prices coming down. Uh, I think that you're going to see a lot more, um, a lot more renewable energy five years from now in Missouri, and I think you won't be having the big policy fights that maybe you've had in the past. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a dream? It, it sounds too good to be true. I hope you're right. Well, you see, that's the thing. Is I won't be here when I say you can't. You can't come back and say yeah. you are full of it. You know. Oh, okay, I'll find you. 
I'll yeah. buy. I bet you're doing something like this. I bet. Hey, um, how many more goals do you have to accomplish? Not yet. True question. I need to re. I need to rewrite five more. So let's say. <laughs> all right. Oh, you accomplished all I've five. I accomplished them all. So now I'm like. That's well, the way to next? do it. Yeah. So anything to plug before we. Uh, you know, hey, I do have a website if you guys want yes. to check it out, simplifyingenergy.com. Okay. I started that because this energy industry is so complicated, I wanted to make it easier for understand for the average Missouri family. So I write, uh, or at least I was writing uh, weekly uh, uh, blogs and then doing some podcasts myself, taking a little hiatus from it uh, with some yeah. stuff going on. We're got a lot going on. Got a lot going on, but we're going to get back into it uh, real soon. I'm, I got something that uh, I want to write about, but I have to wait like Five more days until the the window has appeared for appeals before I can uh, I can talk about that. Uh-huh. So, uh, uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So. I have a few guesses. Yes, yes. So. Um, wow. But well. simplifyingenergy.com. Check yeah. it out to tell your friends. Um, and and I know I'm going to say one more thing. Yes. Hi, hi, mom. Okay. I hope I hope your mom is listening to this. I'm not sure my mom does. Um, <laughs> Commissioner Scott Rope, you've done it all. No, you, just uh, following your lead. Well, you, you have, uh, you have, uh, I think, really been informative, and I think this is a real interesting perspective and one that I hope continues to catch fire. We're going to be doing a lot of candidate education this year from our group, and we're going to be talking to people, Democrats, Republicans, and I find that all this stuff you talk about is something that really does have a lot of appeal to people on both sides of the aisle. So. Show me the jobs. Show me the jobs. Okay, well, I'm gonna. We're gonna start. We're gonna stop by the bumper sticker place on the way out of town. Show me the jobs.com. I gotta go register. Yeah, that right yeah. Now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It'll beat us to Columbia. Beat you to it. Yeah. Thank you again. Thank you. And thank all of you out there for listening. And until next time, keep reaching for those stars. 